Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable from East America. As I am currently speaking, I am sitting at the desk in my bedroom where Ratchet and Respectable began. I'm about to get dressed for a Dave Chappelle concert that starts in three hours that I currently don't have tickets for. There are tickets available. I've been checking StubHub all day. Their prices are falling. I feel like the concert starts at nine. I'm just going to go ahead and get dressed like I'm going to the concert. And I'm just going to buy the best available ticket before I leave the house and drive to the concert. That's my plan, at least. I also might end up falling asleep. Like, I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. I realized that I haven't really had a full day of rest since, I want to say like, since the first week I was in Bali and that was like three weeks ago. I was there for a week before the other girls got there and then we hit the streets running. Like we went from one side of Bali to the other back. We were doing something every day and then I got back to Paris. Like literally I land in Paris. I have to get my apartment together because my mother is coming Then I went to the Usher concert and my mother arrived the next day and I was taking my mother all over Paris. And then I fly back to America. I got in on Sunday and then I started doing the rounds with friends and family on Monday. I think every single day except last Thursday. And I was going through my old suitcases and boxes trying to switch out what I needed to purchase to take with me when I go back to Ghana. So that wasn't just like a layabout day, but every single day. I've been out hanging out with friends or family, sometimes two a day, sometimes three a days. I've been going, going, going. I'm very happy to see everyone. And additionally, too, so as not to negate what I said about wanting to see everyone, in addition to wanting to see everyone, I also need to like lay down for 48 hours. I don't know when that's going to happen, though. It should happen tonight because I'm definitely going out tomorrow. And then Thursday... I'm going to New York and I'll be there for a bit. And there's no such thing as rest in New York. I could just give that up now. I might try to get in a spa appointment just so I have like a morning of relaxation, but that's not guaranteed. It's a good life. I'm not complaining. I'm happy I have friends and family who want to see me because they could be like, oh, this bitch is back. I don't want to see her ass. Go away again. It could be that. There are people who like you call and be like, I'm in your city and they just don't respond. It's beautiful that people are like, oh, we want to see you. When are you coming? What are we doing? I love it. I just need a nap. That's all I'm saying. I tried to have a little bit of a morning to myself because I just told you I've been like running around 24-7. So I haven't had a chance to really sit down and like watch a bunch of my shows. There's a couple things that have come out, stuff that we talked about on here. And I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Like I told you about the HBO Max documentary that my friend did on the first black supermodel. Danielle Luna, I think is her name. I still haven't had a chance to watch that, but it's high on my bucket list. Still haven't had a chance to watch Supermodels, which is still running on Apple. I heard it's really, really good. I saw white people complaining. I guess there was a lot of conversation about race. Naomi Campbell was discriminated against really, really bad. And the Supermodels united and they were like, well, you can't book me if you don't book Naomi because they were like, it's just not fair. So sis got booked. But I saw white people complaining. The whole documentary is about race. And I was like, yes, because we're talking about America and you really can't talk about anything in America without talking about race. I was like, that lets me know it's a good documentary, something I need to move to the top of the list. I'm trying to get it there. I just, you know, don't have a lot of downtime. Plus, not so much as this applies to the documentaries, but doing the writer's strike, technically to talk about, to review TV shows, I kind of fall in the mid-ground because I'm like a podcaster, journalist, but I also am a writer on shows. You're kind of in violation 
of the Writers Guild, if you're promoting TV shows that have WGA writers, which most of them do. Talking about scripted shows, especially in detail, the journalist podcast, the writer side of me is cleared, but being like the TV writer side of me, like I'm not trying to piss off the WGA because I didn't want to like be too far in violation. And it's really difficult for me to like watch a show that I really, really like and not talk about it. So I was kind of avoiding some stuff. I started watching this new show on Amazon. I probably would have taped the podcast earlier if I hadn't been glued to the TV. I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch one episode and see how it is. And then I'll go back to it later. Gen V is the name of the show. Did you watch The Boys on Prime? It's based on a comic book, but it's like, what if superheroes were part of our daily lives and that they were run by a corporation? So say something like Marvel or X-Men were run by like, who's a villain? Like Elon Musk or some shit. It's so good. I mean, the original one and the new one, but the original one, I like superheroes. I'm more of a X-Men person than a Marvel person until Black Panther came along. I only watch Marvel movies if they have a significant storyline with black people. But the original previews for The Boys had Laz Alonzo in them. And I love me some Laz Alonzo. Like, I love Laz Alonzo like I love Michael Ealy. He's also from the DMV. I'm kind of biased. He's also a sweetheart in real life. I was like, this isn't my usual fare, but let me watch the show and see what it is, and try to show some love for Laz Alonzo. So that's how I got into the boys. And it was really, really, really good. Very gory, graphically gory, some like bizarre sexual situations. Imagine like people with superpowers fucking, like what what does that look like? I mean, just watch the boys and you'll figure it out. Or Gen V. But Gen V is a spinoff from the boys. The boys is very staunchly about people in their 30s. But Gen V is about, the heroine is a black girl who's a college freshman. So she's 18. And the storyline is about other college students. So we're talking about 18 to 22 year olds. But it doesn't feel like young fair, if that makes sense. Like the characters on Gen V just happen to be young, but their situations are insane. But I don't feel like I'm watching young people, even though they are. And like I just said, the main character is this black girl named Jazz Monroe. She looks like Chloe Bailey. And she has... I don't mean this in no kind of disrespectful way. Chloe Bailey tends to play similar characters in all of the roles, at least the ones that I've seen her in. And this girl plays the same role that Chloe Bailey always plays. I was like, I really could have hired Chloe. I mean, I'm glad that this girl got a chance. She does a great job with it. But I was like, the whole time I was watching the show, it's not a, they didn't drop the whole season. A new episode comes out every Friday. But I was like, this is Chloe Bailey. I want as many black people to work as possible. I'm glad young ma'am got the role. She's doing a great job. If you watch the boys, remember Starlight, Blondie, the little cute blonde white girl? Like Starlight was like the center of the show. She was the A story. This girl's the A story. And then there's a black dude. Chance Perdomo is his name. I know a Miguel Perdomo. Miguel's Dominican. I wonder if this guy's Dominican too. But he has a strong B storyline. And then the rest of the cast, there's an Asian student. There's a, I don't know what to describe. I guess trans, but it's a trans superheroes. So sometimes the student is a boy and sometimes the student is a girl. The student flips back and forth depending on what they feel like being in the moment. And I was like, does that make the student non-binary? I don't know where that character fits on like the LGBTQ 
I-A. Maybe that character's in the plus. Maybe that's what the plus is for, for like the superhumans. That's not the point. The point is, it's a really good show. And my intention was to watch one episode just to see if the show was any good. I heard that it was from a review that I really trust. But I was like, well, I want to see it for myself. And I was twisting my hair, so I put it on. And then like I finished twisting my hair. I was like, well, let me sit under the dryer. And then like I was finished under the dryer and still watched two more episodes. I invested four hours of my life in the show today. But it's so good. So good. That's the only thing I got a chance to watch. I'm waiting on my show shows to start. Gilded Age starts at the end of this month. I don't remember the exact date. If it's October 20th, October 29th, one of those. Uh, But because the writer's strike is over, I can actually review it. I thought I'd be doing so from Ghana. I don't know when I'm going back to Ghana. I got a flight booked and a seat, a good seat. But I don't know if I'm going back when I think I'm going back. It's not because I don't want to go back to Ghana. I kind of want to be home until I'm over being home and be like, all right, I'm out again. As opposed to like just being home for a quickie. And then being like, oh, I didn't get a chance to do this. I didn't get a chance to do that. I didn't get a chance to do this. I didn't leave America because I didn't like it. I didn't leave because I was like running for something. I had a really great and grand life. Like I wasn't the biggest fan of L.A., but like professionally, everything was on point. Like I had a good social circle, friend circle, dating, but nothing serious. I just wanted to fulfill this dream I had of like moving abroad that I had set in my mind since I was 20 something and I'd put it off for years and years and years, like 20 some odd years. And I was like, well, if not now, when? Like another 20 years? Never? But yeah, like I actually like being home right now. So when I'm just like, "Mm, I'm over it, which is going to eventually happen. And then when I take care of some of the stuff that I need to um, to do, because there's some things I've been putting off here that I need to set in motion at least. But yeah, but for right now, like I'm, I'm enjoying East America. I saw somebody wrote me the other day and was like, can you come to LA? Like, can you not just be on the West Coast? And it wasn't even somebody I knew. My West Coast friends have kind of accepted, like I probably won't be out there to visit them. West America is far. It's a five hour flight. They can get from Paris to Dubai in six. Like it's a bop. But somebody hit me up or whatever. I was like, are you coming? Because I would like to see you. But I was like, but, but I don't know you, friend. I don't know you. So somebody else was like, could you host an event? I love y'all so much. No. I told y'all, like, I have no desire to do work right now. Hosting events, throwing events, like, it takes a lot of work to do that. Maybe when I'm back the next time, because I know next time I come back, I'll be here for a few months. Because the trip after this is very far and very long. So I will spend more time at home before I go. But I was like, maybe I'll do something then, but not right now. Sorry. I'm trying to think what else is on the horizon. I just talked about Gen V. Oh, the color purple trailer. The color purple doesn't come out till December. But there's a new color purple trailer that just... Usually, because I do this every time, there's like a remake of something or a reboot of a show. And I'm just like, leave well enough alone. There's no need. We don't need a redo. The, the first one was fine as it was. Usually that's my take when people try to redo a movie. I think I made an exception for The Little Mermaid, probably because I really don't think I ever watched the first one in full. I was like 11 or 12 when it came out. Like I was in junior high school. I think I was trying to be like a big girl. I told you I watched Little Mermaid on the plane. I don't know where I was going. Maybe on the way to Bali and sat there in my seat and cried. That's not the point. The color purple, I was already excited about the trailer from the one that was released maybe like six weeks ago. But now there's a new one. It looks so good. It looks so good. All these like beautiful black actresses like Taraji. Remember one episode I was like, can Taraji sing? Like we know Taraji can act, but can Taraji sing? 
And people sent me clips of Taraji singing. And I was like, oh, ma'am does sing down the place. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to question it. I didn't know. I genuinely didn't know. But no, she's singing in the trailer. She sounds amazing. Danielle Brooks is not singing in the trailer. But Danielle Brooks, because I saw the color purple on Broadway, she was in it. Sang down the place. Fantasia is not singing in the commercial. But we all do know that Fantasia can sing. Fantasia also got body. She's promoting like some nutrition supplements or something on her Instagram. And I was like, girl, like I get it. Like a check is a check an endorsement is an endorsement. But I was like, ma'am, you can look at that body and tell that she put in serious work for it. Now she might've got some work done. If she did is good, excellent work. I'm not mad. What I'm trying to say is she looks amazing. She looks real, real, real good. I wanted to hear her sing in the trailer because I just like Fantasia's voice. I think she's out of this world. Halle Bailey. I mean, it's all the same people that were in the first commercial. It's just more than just a face. Like, you get to see them acting a little bit. And I was like, ah! Coleman Domingo gonna make me hate his ass playing Mr. It's in good company. I hated Danny Glover. Literally until I interviewed Danny Glover, maybe like five years ago. Like, I, I hated Danny Glover up until that moment. I could not separate him from his role. A lot of people couldn't. It wasn't just me. But Coleman Domingo gonna fuck around and make me hate him. And I love him so much. I think he's such a wonderful person. He's like the officiant at everybody's wedding. In real life, not like on TV. Like he's like, I want to say he married Nisi and Jessica. Don't quote me on that. But look it up. I'm pretty sure he did. There was something else. There's another trailer. Oh, Gilded Age. Gilded Age released a longer trailer. They had a trailer out previously, but like they're revving up now because the show is coming out at the end of the month. That's probably my most favorite show on TV. Winning Time is dead. Winning Time was amazing. I ranted about this in a previous episode when they made the announcement. I'm really upset about that because it was so good. The new trailer for Gilded Age is out. Like, ugh. The fashion, the writing, the wealth, the ostentatious wealth. Ugh. The gilded ballrooms, the shade, the Peggy. Like, I cannot wait for this show to start. I also saw... Shonda Rhimes and Betsy Beers are producing a new documentary on Black Barbie, which the timing is amazing. This documentary is going to tell the story of the first Black Barbie and the three women at Mattel who brought it to fruition and then evolved Black people, and I imagine people of color too, within the Barbie brand. My mother didn't allow me to have white Barbies. I think my babysitter bought me one and I had enough black Barbies that my mother was like, okay, then she could be like the white friend. You know, on TV, I mean, kind of now, but definitely through like most of the 90s, early 2000s, if there was like an ensemble show and there was a white woman, they always gave her like a black best friend to be like her moral compass. And she existed to like evolve the white character. That's what I did with my white Barbie. Like she was a, you know, she wasn't the A story. Or the B story. She was the C story. She was just there for diversity's sake. But yeah, Black Barbie, a.k.a. Issa Rae. Not Issa. Culture con, that means you. Issa. Issa. <laughs> Did you see that clip? Issa Rae was at Culture Con, and I can't remember the executive who was introducing her. She was greeting Issa Rae and introducing her to the audience. And she said, um, you know... Most phenomenal woman alive, Issa Rae. And the audience started yelling. It's like, it's Issa! It's a viral clip. The woman took the L. I mean, she got a little saucy because folks were dragging her pretty hard. 
like she admitted she made a mistake and she was like, I'm not too proud. I'm not perfect. Like these things happen. Like it's live, blah, blah, blah. And then people were still like groaning in the audience. And she's like, I'm part of the community. And I was like, <laughs> I had empathy for it. Cause you know, I can't pronounce shit and I'd be butchering people's names. <laughs> and I was imagining being in her shoes and like, you know, maybe being a little bit nervous and mispronouncing somebody's name. And then the whole audience starts yelling at you. And I was like, oh dear, oh dear. I was like, I wish he had just taken the L and not trying to been like, I'm part of the community. Like sometimes you just gotta be like, yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> and that's it. Just sit in the fucked upness of it all. But I also kind of loved the moment because people were really excited about Issa Rae. Clearly we feel very territorial about sis. We think of sis as actual sis. Cause Issa didn't correct her. She's gonna just let it bang. Actually, the audience spoke up before Issa could even get a chance to respond. Like, it was immediate. And Issa just, like, laughed it off, and at least in the clip I saw. But she did, like, reintroduce her, and she got her name right. <laughs> Reminder to self, if I return to America and start hosting things again, at least in person, for the love of God, get the pronunciation right. There was something else coming down the pipeline. I went to brunch over the weekend with one of my mystical, magical friends. He's somebody that I've known for a while. Definitely respect his work. He's been on the podcast before. But when I was overseas, we spoke more than we did when I was living in America. Like, he lives in D.C. Like, we would actually have, like, ongoing conversations. And there were a couple of times I reached out to him when I wanted to discuss something LGBTQIA, just to make sure that I was using the right language. I might have a take that I think is smart and, you know, it's not that smart. I want to make sure that I don't, you know, do more harm than good and just, you know, being ignorant about stuff. So we went to brunch over the weekend, had a long brunch, one of those great conversations that meanders in so many different ways. He was talking about this upcoming movie, Rustin, Baynard Rustin. Let me actually Google and make sure I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Bayard, Bayard Rustin, excuse me. I'm glad I looked it up. But he is by all accounts, the architect of the March on Washington. They pulled the whole March on Washington together. I want to say in two months, they got 250,000 people to show up to D.C. But we know so many names of the civil rights movement, but his has been largely erased despite his work, despite his brilliance. It was largely because he was an openly gay man. So my friend, Dr. David Johns, he's been on Ratchet and Respectable before. He's seen the movie and he was telling me that it's absolutely amazing. Like he had so much praise for it. And if it was trash, he would say that too, but he didn't. And I was like, oh, I really want to see it. And then he was like, oh, well then you have to meet my friend at Netflix who's over the film. So he puts us in touch. I reached out to the friend and I was like, hey, and he was like, we met already. You know me. And I was like, I do, I do. And I was like, also, I need to see Rustin. I'm only in the country for like another two weeks. Like, I, I need to see the movie. And he was like, I got you. So I'm going to a screening when I get to New York. I'm so excited about this. I told you I was sticking around for Howard's Homecoming because I miss CBC. And I haven't been to CBC since. I'm trying to think when the last time I went was maybe 2018. Because I remember I moved to L.A. 2019 and I didn't go. 2020 was covid I think 2021 was COVID. It might've been up again, but I didn't go then. I didn't go last year because I was in Ghana. And then I didn't go this year because I was in Paris or Bali or both. I think I switched continents in the middle of CBC, but yeah. So Howard's Homecoming is about to be my CBC. I'm just saying. 
but I mentioned it and people were like, oh my God, be safe, be careful. There's a rash of violence at the HBCUs. And I was like, oh, please. I used to go to Howard's Homecoming in the 90s. Georgia Avenue in the 90s was a place I really had no business being, but it was a college atmosphere. So I was like, oh, people just worry too much. And then there was like a shooting at Morgan State, which is in Baltimore. I mean, it's far, but it's not that far. But there was a campus shooting right after a homecoming event. They were celebrating their homecoming last weekend or leading up to last weekend. There was a campus shooting that injured five people. I'm reading this on USA Today. It said all five injured are expected to make a full recovery, which thank God. But the suspects, the shooters, are still at large. And there's also been prior experiences with gun violence around homecoming events. So to make sure that, you know, no other people got shot or were injured or there was no more violence or or just also too, like, you know, five people get shot on your campus to continue partying and celebrating. It's not the best PR move. It's, it's a little insensitive. So Morgan went ahead and canceled their homecoming. There was also a shooting at Bowie State. I don't think that's related to their homecoming. Oh, nope. I'm sorry. I'm looking it up now. I'm reading this on WTOP News. The headline is Bowie State cancels classes following homecoming shooting as police implore the public for tips. Bowie State is like up the street from my parents' house. It might be a 15-minute drive, if that. I'm still reading this on WTOP. It says police said they need help finding the people responsible for the shooting that hurt two 19-year-olds. The university said classes for the rest of the week are canceled to provide additional time for everyone to address their mental well-being. Somebody being shot on your campus, you know, it's a campus shooting. That's that's a lot. It like rattles your sense of safety. I won't really be on Howard's campus like that. I've done Howard's homecoming many times as an adult. But since like, since a couple years out of college, I really haven't gone on campus like that. Howard's homecoming takes over the city, like at least like the entire Northwest quadrant. Every club, every venue, all the good restaurants, like it is flooded. Half of them ain't go to Howard. They just here for the celebration, just like me. There's so many events. And you know, my whole crew went to Howard. People swear I went to Howard. I have to remind people, like I didn't go to HBCU. I wish I did, but I went to Maryland and NYU. I did not go to Howard. Like nearly all of my friends. I just find them wherever I am in the world. Like my Ghana bestie, a bison. The bison are everywhere. Actually, I know a couple women in Ghana that went to HU. Now that I think about it, I swear they come and find me. I'm honored. Thank you. I just got this text from one of my friends. I had this really great idea. I couldn't execute it in D.C. because folks were just like, no. New York folks were more understanding. Like, I'm doing this big brunch in New York with a bunch of my friends so I can see everybody at once. Like I'm only going to be in New York for four or five days. And there's a bunch of stuff that I need to do. And it just wasn't feasible for me to see everybody one-on-one the way that I'm doing in D.C. I was like, certain people, I have to see your faces. Like, I didn't get a chance to see folks when I was back, what, nine months ago? And then I was gone six months before that. So I haven't seen, like, a lot of my really good friends in New York since August 2022. But I want to see my people. I want to kiss some faces and, and hug some necks and drink, you know, copious amounts of expensive champagne. Hopefully we won't have hangovers the next day. But yeah, but that's really important to me. So I've been trying to pull the whole thing together and had a venue, got a private room. 
had the pricing, had the menus, like everything was good to go. And then the manager said to me today, the event was supposed to be at 1 p.m. And so she was like, hey, like just um, is an oversight. She was like, I'm, I'm so sorry I didn't catch it the first time. It's like the restaurant doesn't open until four. And I was like, we can't have brunch at four. Like, how does that work? <sighs> I'm not a planner person. I'm a big ideas person. I can do logistics when I really like apply myself, like for travel or I don't know, running a t-shirt company, hell, running a publishing company. When I must do it, I can, but it's not my preferred thing to do. Do we have anything else on this list that we need to discuss? Oh, Drake. Drake is feuding with Joe Budden. And I was like, you know that meme? It's like three Spider-Mans and they're all pointing at each other. The meme is supposed to convey the pot calling the kettle black. That's how I feel about Joe Budden and Drake feuding. It's two incels, both of whom are annoying as fuck, feuding with each other. It's so weird to me that like Drake is in his position, especially with like the whole incel thing. There's this, um, this really popular essay that's going viral. The headline is Drake made an album for the Kevin Samuels generation. His name is David Dennis Jr. He's the writer. He said of Drake's new album, quote, Drake has delivered the musical equivalent of incel anthems, music for men who can't get women or fall short of the women they expect to attain and who look at Drake as their hero for his ability to woo the women of their dreams. So to hear that Drake wants to discard these women, we talked on the last episode how he took jabs at Rihanna and then what's the other girl's name? Esperanza Spalding, is that her name? The violinist? who don't bother nobody nobody's been talking about her in years he just for whatever reason decided to name drop her like he's mad that she got a grammy instead of him some real petty shit the writer continues he says so to hear that drake wants to discard these women is validation of these men's insecurities because drake is making music to let these men know it's okay that they've been rejected because women aren't worth much anyway it's so weird for drake to be in this position like i remember I don't know what season it was, but there was an episode of Insecure where Issa, the character, had a line about Drake and she said something like, he really gets us. And I remember people talking about it. And there was this whole conversation about Drake makes music for college educated girls or something like that. But it was like the general consensus is that Drake is a good thing. And then fast forward four or five years later, like, you know, women are, I think with great cause turning on Drake. And I was like, I wonder if it's, did Drake shift or did the culture shift and Drake didn't shift with it? I don't know. But he's going back and forth with Joe Budden. Joe Budden doesn't like the current Drake album and said so in a podcast. From what I've read, he didn't take any personal shots at Drake. He just said he didn't like the album, which love him or hate him, Joe Budden's job as a podcaster, which he has been for many, many years is to give opinions on pop culture. My God, I hate that I have to defend Joe Budden. Jesus Christ, what is happening? But yeah, so Joe Budden said he didn't like the album. He said some reasons why. It was the equivalent of the album didn't have much depth. Drake heard of Joe Budden's criticism. He wrote like a 500 word response, which I was like, are you serious right now? But the gist of Drake's response to Joe Budden was, my career is what you wanted to have and you weren't capable. You didn't have the range. And Drake wrapped up his 500 word essay in response to Joe Budden with something like, I own a plane. You own a modest home in New Jersey. 
and fly first class on special occasions or something like that. And I was like, that's your argument? Because like y'all being in different tax brackets and even though you look down on Joe, you're insulting him for not making what you make. The average person who either listens to his podcast or listens to Drake music doesn't own a modest home in New Jersey and doesn't even occasionally fly first class. I'm like, so now you're insulting your fan base in order to insult Joe? It came across as like really, really out of touch. And then Joe Budden's response to Drake was something like, what do you say Father Time catches up with us all? It was like a one-liner response. It was the equivalent of really, okay, you know how somebody writes like a really long diatribe, like they're really coming for your throat, like they're all in their feelings. And the worst response you could give them is basically like, if you're going to respond, the best response is really no response to not acknowledge them at all. But just to be like, okay, oh, you have all those feelings about it? I have like none. But I'm just acknowledging that I saw it and still don't care. That was the equivalent of Joe Budden's response. And then Drake kept going. Like he responded again. He posted a, a picture of Joe Budden and he was like, something about his career is reduced to a Best Buy podcast mic. And I was like, is that a bad thing? I know what I make off the podcast. Joe Budden's numbers are way higher than mine. That man is eating good. Real, real good. If Joe Budden has a halfway decent contract, Joe Budden is making a shit ton of money. That's crazy to me that, that Drake is like so disconnected from his audience right now. And also insulting a man. Like, I mean, Joe Budden may not have like, I don't know, Drake's hundreds of millions, whatever Drake's network is. But it's almost like Jay-Z, like, wanted to make fun of, like, Drake's net worth. It's just, like, at one point, like, you're having out-of-the-tax-bracket conversations with, you know, the vast majority of people on Earth. You only fly first class on occasion. Like, what kind of, like, Occupy Wall Street 1% argument are y'all having? Stop it. Stop it now. All right. That's the episode for this week. We'll be back on Friday. I'm about to go check these Dave Chappelle tickets. All right, bye.